Okay, I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and that they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was all, only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Thank you, Lockie. Can you hear me? Excellent. So, welcome to Restore. Uh, it's great to be with you all tonight. And welcome, Josh. It's great to have you here, brother. Um, we are continuing our look at Genesis this term. Uh, and I'm really We're up to Genesis 6. This term, we have seen how God created the whole world. And he created humans to be in a relationship with him. And he created humans in his own image. But it all went wrong, we see. God, how God intended it to be, it didn't work out. And humans wanted to go their own way, right? They wanted to be their own boss and do their own thing. Uh, last week, we looked at how after Adam and Eve were chucked out of the garden, when they had lost that awesome relationship with God, their children, Cain and Abel, had a horrific thing happen to them. Cain gives God second best. God doesn't like it, so he becomes jealous. He becomes prideful, and he becomes angry of Abel. And so he lures his own brother out to a field. And what does he do? He kills him. We looked at how sin has ruined absolutely everything. And this week, that trend continues. Sin ruins everything. So I'm just going to pray to begin. Thanks for praying before. Let's pray again. So quickly, let's pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we know that your word is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. So I pray, Lord, that you will change our hearts tonight with your word, and from what we hear tonight, that we will grow in our love and our affection for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, over the summer holidays, uh, I was a bit bored, right? So I was looking for any movies that I could watch. You guys know how you like open Netflix and you spend the duration of a movie just scrolling looking for a movie? I was kind of doing that, right? So I did Netflix, nothing, did stand, nothing, I couldn't find anything. And so we've chatted before how I like musicals, right? And so I was delighted when I saw that they had done a new remake of the classical movie Cats. I was delighted. I thought, great, right? So I even paid a rental fee to Google Play Movies. I sat down on the couch and turned on Cats and started watching. Well, it was terrible. It was terrible. 
right? It was cringy. It was embarrassing. It was so hard to watch. The CGI was terrible. The characters looked creepy and terrifying. I think the characters themselves are worthy of nightmares. It was horrific. Now, once I watched it, I was reassured that I wasn't the only one who thought it was terrible, right? Who thought that it was extremely disturbing by the way these cats and humans were kind of portrayed as one image. And so I looked at some reviews. I looked at some reviews. One critic, one movie critic said this. He said, it was the worst thing to happen to cats since dogs. Another said it was an all-time disaster, while another simply said, my eyes are burning, right? But probably my favourite was this. One critic said this, I am not a cat person, and watching this frankly mortifying film adaptation of cats, I'm not altogether sure I'm a movie person anymore either, right? It was horrific, this movie, it was terrible. There were no redeeming qualities of this movie, so please don't go home and watch it, right? It was horrifying. Now, as we read in Genesis 6, we also see an absolutely horrifying picture, a horrifying mess, as we see the full effects of sin ruining absolutely everything. We see wickedness and depravity everywhere. Verse 5 of Genesis 6 uh, is a stunning condemnation of how bad the world has got, right? It says this, the Lord saw, and I, if we can get on the screen, you guys can follow on, that'd be awesome. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The wickedness was great. Every inclination of the human heart was only evil all the time, right? There are no redeeming qualities here. Every inclination of humans' hearts were only evil all the time. Everything is corrupted by sin. Now, I don't think there's a more resounding statement of the state of our hearts than this, right? I don't think you could come up with a better statement than this. It was terrible. Everyone wanted to go their own way. Everyone wanted to be their own king. Everyone wanted to ignore God who made them, right? And in fact, this passage gives an example of one of the things that had gone terribly wrong in these wicked humans, right? In verse 2, this might be a bit confusing for you, so you really have to pay attention. In verse 2, it says that the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful. They married and had children, and these children were what the Bible called Nephilim. They were kind of giant, malformed humans, it seems. Now, there are two main views on who the sons of God are. This is a bit weird, right? But there are two main views on this. The first view is that the sons of God are the sons or the descendants of Seth. Now, who's Seth? Mm. Well, back in Genesis 4 and 5, right? Not that Seth. Back in Genesis 4 or 5, it's right, Seth. Seth's the, the good, good one in this story. Uh, we see two lines of descent from Adam and Eve, right? In Genesis 4 and 5, we see the first bad line of Cain. Now, remember what Cain did, right? He killed his own brother and God cursed him, right? So we see this 
descent from the line of Cain, this group of people, this family, who didn't follow God, who went their own way. They completely ignored God. And that's contrasted with Seth, another son of Adam and Eve. And this son was meant to be the one who followed God. Right? And so if the sons of God in Genesis 6 is talking about the sons of Seth, what it's saying is that uh, Seth's line, who are meant to be the ones who are glorifying God, they have actually abandoned that calling and they've married the daughters of Cain. They've intermarried, right? And so if it's Seth's line, they've abandoned God and done their own thing, right? That's the first view. The second view is not that the sons of God are Seth's descendants, but actually that the sons of God are fallen angels or demons, Pretty strange, right? But it could be right. I'm not sure. Um, And that these angels or demons have possessed, or they're doing it themselves, they've taken women from the earth, they've had children with them, and these children are Nephilim, right? Now, I actually don't know which one's correct, if I'm honest with you. I don't know. But I also think that it doesn't really matter for what we're reading here. Either way, whether it's fallen angels or the sons of Seth, we see two groups of people, or two groups of beings, if you like, that are meant to follow God, right? Angels meant to be worshipping God. The sons of Seth, they're meant to be the descent from Adam and Eve that are meant to be glorifying God, and both of them abandon that and go their own way, right? They abandon that and go their own way. They're meant to follow God. They're meant to control their sin, but they turn their backs and they go the other way. They abandon their calling to follow God instead, do what they want. The world we see here is not pretty at all. It's not pretty. The wickedness was great. Every inclination of the human heart was only evil all the time. So that's the first thing. There is wickedness and there's depravity everywhere. Right? The second thing we see in this passage is God's feeling towards sin. Right? God's feeling towards sin. He is deeply saddened, he is deeply aggrieved, and it says his heart is deeply troubled by the sin. Read with me from verse 5, it says this. Have a look on the screen, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. Now, it's a bit strange to talk about God regretting something, right? That's strange. But I think it's described like this here, to help us humans understand in our own language how deeply, deeply, deeply troubled and saddened and angry God is about the sin. He cannot stand it. Right? He hates it. He hates that we go our own way, that we want to be our own boss, that we don't care about him. Uh, when I was about 12 years old, uh, my mum came into my room. Right, I'd probably left the clothes out or something, you know what you do. And mum came in and I thought she was nagging me, right? And when you're 12, maybe I was 13, you are the peak, right? You're the top of the world. So mum came in, she said, 
why haven't you done your clothes or whatever? And I said to my mum, I remember this so vividly, I said, I don't care what you think, mum. You're not the boss of me. I'll do what I want. Right? So me, king of the world, 12 years old, say this to my mum. Now my mum, I remember, this is why I remember it so vividly. She looked at me and she got a tear in her eyes. Right? Now there's nothing more horrifying than seeing your parents cry, right? But when you've caused it, it's horrific, right? So I felt terrible. Mum cried, walked away. I got a massive grounding from my dad later, right? I think I just got a PS3. I'd say that all my money, got a PS3. I had it for about a week and then it was gone for like a month, right? That was the punishment for my sins in that moment. But just like my mum felt, my own mum, when I said to her, I don't care about you, mum, I've got this, don't tell me what to do, she was so sad. And just like my dad, when he heard, and heard about that and was so angry about what I'd said to my mum, that's similar to what God feels when we do the same to him. Right? It's similar to what God feels. God is deeply angry, saddened, and troubled in his heart when we say to him, I don't care about you, God. When we say to him, I'm going to do my own thing. Don't tell me what to do. When we say to him, no, 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 I don't need your help. I'll do my life my own way. Right? God hates it, and he's deeply sad about it. And we can see that here. God is deeply troubled in his heart by what humans have done. And he says, it can't keep going on like this. It can't keep going on like this. God is a holy God, the Bible tells us. And he rightly demands justice. Right? And it's right and just that we pay the consequences for our sin. Well, here God demands justice. And Sam's going to chat about, I think it's next week, that God says it's enough, and he actually sends a massive flood, and Sam's going to chat about that next week, right? But what we can learn from this passage this week is that we need to be conscious and know how much God is saddened, angered, and aggrieved by our sin. Maybe you've done something right, you've done something, and you're really upset because the youth group leader saw you doing it, and you know the youth group leader's not going to want to see you doing it, Right? Well, the youth group leader's sadness at that is only a glimpse of God's anger and sadness at our sin, right? It's only a glimpse. So whenever you ignore God, when you use his name in vain, when you purposely ignore what he says, even though your heart's saying you shouldn't do something, but you do it instead, God is deeply saddened, angry, and troubled, We know that this is a massive issue today, right? It's not like, oh, Genesis 6 is over here, but today it's like paradise and everything's great, right? We know this is a massive issue today. Now, we know that because we can see the world around us, but also Jesus talks about it. In Matthew 24, Jesus parallels, he says the situation in Genesis 6 is similar to the situation today as we wait Jesus' judgment to come back, when Jesus is going to come back again. He says, just as the people before Noah were waiting and they had no idea what was coming, it's the same today. That's pretty scary, right? It's the same today, Jesus says. 
People will be wicked, they'll be depraved, they'll be evil. Every inclination of their hearts will be evil all the time and they don't know what's coming, right? And so we need to be saddened and we need to be aggrieved and we need to be troubled by our sin just like God is, which is really easy to forget sometimes, right? We need to think about our sin the way that God does, be deeply saddened and troubled by it. And you guys in your groups, you're going to be chatting about how that's actually going to affect you in your life going forward. So that brings us to the third point, right? That in this wickedness, there is hope. In the wickedness, there is hope. Um, Now, you guys might be too young, but put your hand up if you've seen The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Okay, not too young. I love that that is enduring. Okay, so in that movie, the last battle, it's the Battle of Helm's Deep, right? If you've seen it, you know it, right? So there's the goodies, the elves. They're in this small little stronghold castle thing in a little narrow valley, right? And Saruman's army, they're marching towards this little stronghold, right? And the elves, the good guys, they are losing badly, right? They're losing badly. The bad guys, they just keep, keep coming, and it seems like all hope is lost. The elves, they retreat back to the stronghold, and just when everything seems lost, when there's no hope left, if you've seen it, you'll know who appears on the ridgeline. Gandalf appears with the cavalry, and they march down at the break of dawn, right? And they win the battle, right? It's a, if you've seen it, you're probably getting goosebumps right now. It's so good, right? And so uh, in Genesis 6 and today, sin in our world is everywhere, right? Everyone wants to be their own boss. They want to reject the one true God, right? And the sin everywhere, it seems unbearable sometimes when you look around and see it. It seems like our situation is hopeless sometimes. Sin is increasing, it seems, both in Genesis 6 and in our world today. Our minds are wicked, right? Our minds are wicked, and we want to do our own thing. But just as we looked at last week, God had a plan the whole time to reconcile the world to himself despite our sin. Right? We looked at last week how Abel's sacrifice, the lamb, was a little foreshadowing of the sacrifice of the lamb, Jesus, for us on the cross. And we can see that again now. Right? Sin is increasing, but God had a plan right from the beginning. Right? He sent his own son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. And in response to Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, It says we're continually sanctified. That's a big word, right? Big word. But that means that once our sins are forgiven and we're made right with God, God helps us through the Holy Spirit to sin no more in our lives as we grow closer and closer to Jesus. Even in our hopeless situation, it seems, God brings hope and reconciles himself to us. Paul puts it like this in Romans 5. We're talking about before how sin seems to be increasing everywhere. Well, Paul says this. He says, Where sin increased, grace 
increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Where sin increased in Genesis 6, and now in this room and in our world today, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Grace increased all the more. Right? It reconciles us to God and brings us eternal life through Jesus the Messiah. I think that's pretty extraordinary. Right? I think that's pretty extraordinary. The sin that we see in Genesis 6 is astounding. Right? What does it say? Remember that pretty crazy sentence? The wickedness was great. Every inclination of the human heart was only evil all the time. Right? And it seems that that is also the same in our world today. But God had a plan, an awesome salvation plan right from the beginning to reconcile us and bring us eternal life. Grace, that is a gift to you through Jesus' death on the cross that paid the price for your sins. He paid the price for our wickedness and our depravity. And he is coming again to judge living and the dead. But if we accept that grace from Jesus... It says that when God looks at us, he's going to see Jesus and his sinlessness rather than our sinfulness, which is pretty extraordinary. Now, this is such great and awesome news. One, that they named the about Jesus the Gospels. That just means good news in Greek. And it's such great and awesome news that people go all over the world to tell people about it. Josh and Nikki, Ollie, Eva, Lily and George, I think. Is that right? Love the thumbs up. Good. They are going to tell people about this message of reconciliation because it's so good and it's such good news for the world. They think it's so awesome that they would sacrifice their whole lives here in Australia, all their friends here and seeing them regularly in Australia, and they would sacrifice so much to go tell people about it. Right? That's how awesome that news is. Now, remember back to that passage in Matthew that we were just talking about before. Jesus says that we don't know when he's coming again. He said that just as in Noah's day, as in Genesis 6 before the flood, people will not know that the judgment is coming. They don't know when, right? So we need to be ready for that day. If you are following Jesus now, great. You can have assurance that when that day comes, God is going to see Jesus and his sinlessness and not your sinfulness. That's great. And so you need to make sure that you are being sanctified, that word that means we're gradually, gradually hating our sin more and sinning less, right, and striving to live for God now. But if you're here tonight and you're hearing about this wickedness in the world in Genesis 6 and today, and I hope you're pretty like, horrified by it and you don't know Jesus, you need to make a decision about that. Because in Matthew, it says, just as these people before the big flood in Genesis 6 don't know what's coming, today you don't know what's coming. Right? You need to be ready for that day. So you need to make a decision about whether to follow Jesus or not. Your wickedness is great. Every inclination of your human heart is only evil all the time. And you need a savior. And God has offered one to you for free. And you just need to accept it. Let's pray to finish, then we'll go off to our small groups.
Our Father in heaven, uh, thank you so much that even in our wickedness and our depravity, you had a plan. You had a plan to reconcile us to yourself that is given to us for free. I thank you and praise you so much for that. Lord, please be softening our hearts in this room. For people who don't know you, Lord, I pray that you will bring them to a saving faith in you and in your son, Jesus. And for all of us who do know you, Lord, I pray that just as you are deeply troubled by our sin, we will be deeply troubled by our sin too. And we will continually want to sin less and live your way, not our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.